Christina Olson was the real-life woman who inspired artist Andrew Wyeth's painting called Christina's World. It's considered a masterwork of American art that inspires a lot of feelings in people, myself included. In the novel A Piece of the World, author Christina Baker Klein tells a fictionalized version of that relationship between the artist and the subject. It's an emotional and complex relationship and a totally compelling book. Hello and welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and joining me today is April Bielefeld, a landscape photographer and one half of The Travel Collective, where she creates videos, showcases boutique guides and tours, and shares her knowledge of how to travel like she does. She has a deep love for the USA, particularly the Maine coast, where today's book is set, and she creates personal itineraries and leads small tours. I loved talking with an artist about the connections between visual and literary art and how sometimes one can change our opinion about the other. Hi, April. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Hi, Julie. Nice to be here. I'm delighted to have you because I have a travel question for you. I'm going to dive right into the travel question. Oh, great. You are an avid traveler and a travel podcaster, which I want you to tell my listeners about. My husband and I, as usual, have waited until the last possible minute to think about our summer vacation. Where would you go? Oh my gosh, there's so many amazing places, but <laughs> Maine, Maine does come to the top of my list because I currently live in Las Vegas, where it's already, I think it's 100 degrees today, so oh, hey. going somewhere cooler like Maine for summertime or anywhere like, you know, if you can go to the New England coast, like south of Boston, you know, maybe upper Michigan, along Lake Superior, um, Montana comes to mind, but anywhere maybe... <sighs> A little bit off the beaten path, you know, because I think everyone's just busting out and they want to travel. And if you look at the airfares, it is ridiculous, crazy. Now, are you a traveler who likes to go, go, go and do a bunch of things? Like if you went to Maine, would it be sites and museums or are you a traveler who likes to get to a house and get to know the lady at the market and that kind of thing? Over the years, I've slowed my travel travels down a bit. And as a creative spirit, um, you mentioned that I love travel. I also love photography. And I've always, I have an, a background in art. Um, I have, I crave now, if I could, I keep telling my husband, it's like, it's going to be a hundred and some here in Vegas. I would <laughs> rather just go place myself somewhere for four weeks and really meet the locals a bit more, find the offbeat places. And that's what I do when I go photographing, even for a week. It's like, find places to stay that are local, historic inns, small bed and breakfast, and being open. You need time in your, quote, schedule in your travel planning to be open to the happenstance, to be open to the fact that, you know, walking down a street in Charleston, I was photographing a woman's window box and all of a sudden the door opened and I kind of kind of surprised me. And she said, oh, you're you know, I'm so happy you're admiring my window box. But in Charleston, the houses are kind of like row houses and they have these wonderful private gardens that you can't see from the street often. And she was so proud of her home. She's like, come on, please come in. And there were two other photographers with me and we paused for a moment and then we're like, no, she really wants to share 
her home. She wants to share her garden. She's so proud of it. So we did. We, but again, if we were too tight to a schedule, we wouldn't have had time to allow for that experience to happen. Do you pack books when you travel? I usually pack paperback books. I'm one of those people that tries to shove an actual book still in my bag. I do have more books on my Kindle now or my e-reader, whatever you want to call it on my phone. But um, I still like the the essence of opening a book and taking time if there's time in the morning with my coffee just to open something up and read something. And I'm the kind of reader, I'm kind of a casual reader, as I call it. It's hard for me to read a book from start to finish. I'll often pop open a book and just see where it lands. If it opens in the middle, start reading there. And if it draws me in, then I'll go back and start at the beginning. But I sometimes have two or three different books laying around and I just, it's hard for me to get grabbed by a book. So if a book grabs me and sticks with me, it becomes like a lifelong friend, like a best friend that I'll go back to over and over. If I haven't bought the hardcover book, I'll go buy the actual covered, you know, the hardcover book and put it on my shelf to, to look back at, to like a friend, you know, like <laughs> yes. check back in with. I mean, I asked you that question because that's, that's the problem for every reader traveler is of course, suitcase space. Yes, yes. <laughs> but for you, I would think, especially because photography equipment is big and bulky and heavy. Yeah, it does take up space. So often, you know, there's only room for maybe one book, or like I said, now we're blessed with the digital, you know, you kind of need that downtime, I often think, or I like, like I mentioned, I like in the beginning of the day, start my day with a coffee and maybe sit outside, sit somewhere and have something to look at, but also to kind of like feed my brain. I, I guess I'm always wanting some inspiration via words or scenery or whatever yeah. it might be, but I've been a lifetime reader, actually. I even found my old, like in grade school, they had us keep a list of what we read. So I had, <laughs> and we would make a little a journal over like the titles and Oh the my notes. gosh. So I even reflected back. I just found, you know, I've kept it and looked at it and just the types of books. I don't know. I don't think our teachers may have, they may have given us a suggested list for summer, but as kids, we always went to the public library in the summer. My parents took us there. The bookmobile would come to our neighborhood and we'd oh, go fine. and collect books and bring them home. And, you know, so we were encouraged to read as kids. Listeners, she just, April just showed me <laughs> the cutest little, um, it's a red journal with very childlike handwriting in it. Um, what are some of the book titles in there? Oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch. There's like, do You Have the Time, Lydia by Evelyn Ness. There's Bread and Butter Indian and Coles. Let's see. I found one the other day that was about like a pioneer uh, for Ma and Pa on the Oregon Trail. So again, that aspect of history woven into the story, the fisherman's family. Yeah, I think I've always been drawn to things that either I hear some Nancy Drew mysteries in here, <laughs> but just kind of the whole mystery history, you know, something with re I'm a big fan of something that ties to some actual time in history, biographical fiction or a real story. That's always fascinated me. Are those still your preferred genres now? Yes. Yes. Can you look back at that journal and remember those books? Yeah, most of them I can. Most of them I have a pretty good memory of, you know, a yeah. few of them, you know, maybe not so much, but 
definitely all the, I was an avid Nancy Drew fan. I was an avid, you know, like any of the biographies, of course, Little House on the Prairie books, you know, and the fact that, you know, those are real people that lived and had these, you know, diaries of young girls or children or whatever it was. I mean, even, you know, and then I went through my phase of like, Hollywood starlets, you know, and just being fascinated with, you know, well, what happened to Marilyn Monroe or, you know, just there and Catherine Hepburn, you know, just her, her, you know, individuality, just, you know, just the, her journey. And just, she grew up on the Connecticut coast too. So she had these East coast ties and just this different upbringing and just, you know, how she went about, you know, her career wearing pants and kind of breaking the norms and, Fabulous. I mean, it's incredible. This episode is sponsored by Lover's Moon by Mark Leslie and Julie Strauss. Hello, Julie Strauss, host of Best Book Ever and contemporary romance author. Hello, Mark Leslie, frequent guest of the show and horror author. Julie, what do you know about werewolves? Absolutely nothing, Mark. I'm scared of everything. What do you know about romance novels? Well, my mom read a ton of romance when I was a kid, and Fabio was always on the cover, so Fabio must be in every romance novel, right? That's exactly right, yes. Mark, do you know what we should do? I do, yeah. Let's say it at the same time, okay? Okay. One, two, three, never speak again. Write a book together. Uh, Yes, that, what you said. We should write a book together. I was thinking we could each write about our favorite things. Yeah, bloody fangs. And making out. Occult shops. Having sex in a bubble bath. Ancient feuds. A marriage proposal in Central Park. A book made of human skin. And friendly honeybees. We've really got something here. You know, I don't see how it could fail. Lover's Moon by Mark Leslie and Julie Strauss is now available everywhere you buy books. Wait, Mark, what was that thing you said earlier? Don't worry about it. Do you remember how you found this book that we're talking about today, A Piece of the World by Christina Baker Klein? I believe I came across it. Um, I'm always keeping track. I do a lot of travels to New England, as I kind of mentioned. And in 2017, I was doing, I did my own like podcast that was kind of mixed with photography and travel. And I think Down East Magazine which is a regional Maine magazine. It might've had the piece on it. Um, Christina Baker Klein had already um, written Orphan Train. That was her, she was a best-selling author at that point. And she, in some of the interviews, I think had started to tease the fact that she was working on this book, A Piece of the World, that would tie in the painting, Christina's World, which as an art major, I knew very well. You know, it's just part of my, it's just kind of like one of those classic Americana pieces of artwork that never escapes your imagination. I think it's kind of inbred into our culture, into a lot of even current movies. If you go look up the painting, they still use that painting in a lot of current movies and Netflix series and they'll see it. And it's just so I think that's how I came across it. And I blasted through it because it was, again, it's hard for me to find a book that grabs me that I couldn't put down. And this was one of those books I was working full time and I would, I was so excited to get to lunch so I could keep reading (laughs) it. And I literally like couldn't put it down. It was one of those books. It was such a quick read for me. 
And then I was so excited because I contacted her and interviewed her briefly on my podcast. So yeah, it was just, yeah, it was so super cool. But the book was a super fast read. Okay, let's start with, can you tell our listeners what the book itself is about? Yes, it really focuses on, it literally takes the painting, Christina's World, which is a kind of a barren landscape. There's a farmhouse and there's this young woman stretched across what looks like a kind of a dead and dry field and you can't see her face. Her back is to you and she's looks like she's longing and the book focuses on that woman, Christina, which is interesting that the author's name is also Christina. Mm-hmm. And Christina, just the painting, when you see the painting, you're not sure. Is she sad? Is it mournful? Is she longing? It's that there's just this mix of emotions. Some people view it as unhappy. Some people view it as, you know, there's hope there. Some people it kind of is like, ooh, is she scared of the house there on the hill? Because the house looks kind of dark and daunting or, you know, what, you know, it stirs so many different emotions. But her book really focuses on Christina and her family, her ties and roots to Maine, you know, who she meets, which she meets Andrew Wyeth, who's the painter. So she really draws on the biographical facts that are associated with the painting. Um, The young woman, Christina, well, she was like about 50 in her fifties when Andrew Wyeth finally painted her, but Andrew Wyeth who was a the son of another Wyeth, that's a Wyeth family of painters on the main coast, he met, and they're not sure if he got kind of entranced with the landscape and the farmhouse or his conversations with Christina. She was kind of housebound due to some sort of, you know, medical illness, not, mm-hmm. you know, kind of degenerative type issue. So the book really focuses on Christina, her thoughts, her interactions, and culminates with him presenting and showing her the painting. Tell me what you love so much about the book. I love just the in-depthness of how she really goes into Christina's feelings. Cause this one young woman is not able, she's physically challenged. So she has, she doesn't, you know, she does meet a young man. She does have those feelings like any of us would of meeting someone falling in love, but she also has physical challenges. So I think it's, I don't know, you're just drawn into her story and her life. And she's so isolated out here in this, like, she's not in a town, this house is just out there. So if you kind of picture the painting while you're reading the book, I think it's a good tie in. I think then you're really drawn in like, you know, the day to day, you know, what's going to happen today, because every day might otherwise just be like, you know, she gets up, she struggles with making a meal, you know, just the the day in, day out that many of us have throughout our lives. That was a big eye opener for me was that because their house, they didn't have electricity. Yeah. They didn't have heat, you no. know, and so she's living this very hard scrabble life and she's disabled. Right. You know, she can't, she literally can't walk. And I kept thinking like, God, that life sounds so hard and I'm able-bodied. Right. And just the winters, I mean, she talks about the winters are collecting, you know, getting the wood going for the fire. And it's just her and her brother for most of the time in this house. And, you know, she's just 
yeah, the, just the being so housebound and not as a traveler, not being able to travel, you know, it's, she's not going into Boston. She's not, you know, whoever she meets kind of has to come to her. Mm -hmm. I mean, occasionally at the beginning of the book, she has some opportunities to meet people and like the young man. And I think we can all feel that heartbreak and the, just the, you know, like this one special person. And even then that falls apart. And I really was expecting it to be sort of an adoration of um, Andrew Wyeth. I thought it was going to turn into that. And I mean, he's in it. He's a right. big part of it, but that's not the point of the story at all. No, it's, it's not. Christina's story or right. imagined story. I mean, obviously right. it's a fictional retelling. Yeah. And maybe as a woman, maybe as an artist, maybe that's why I ca it ca I could keep turning the pages because I was so into like, you're right, you know, Andrew Wyeth painted the painting. And I think when you pick up the book, or if you know the painting, you think, oh, they're going to tie in that relationship and going to focus. I mean, he's the star, this painting, you know, made good money. It's a painting now, like I said, that it's just iconic. You just if you once you see the painting, you don't forget it. Now, can you tell me, what do you think of the painting? And secondly, did this book change your opinion of the painting itself? Yeah, it, I think it did change my opinion of the painting quite a bit. Because I think when I first saw the painting, I was it it was more like a mystery. I didn't know that she that was her house. And as a former, you know, as like I said, you can from reading all those Nancy Drew books and looking <laughs> at those covers, you know, it kind of has that mysterious, the house is up there. <laughs> is she, why, why is she there on the grass? Is she scared to go there? Is the house haunted? I, you know, but in fact, that's her home and, and what, you know, and so I have a better understanding of the whole painting and an, a much better appreciation that kind of ties into, I had a, it was a great, um, great uncle, I guess that's right. It was my grandmother's brother. And he lived on this farm in Iowa. We'd see him all the time because I grew up in Iowa. But he never could understand why my parents would take us on family vacations. Why, why are you going? Where are you going this time? And when we come back, I want to talk about it. Like, he never left his family farm. I think he finally left the farm and kind of Iowa to visit his granddaughters, maybe once, maybe a couple times when they moved south to Kansas. Other than that, he really never left Iowa. He never left his little, you know, he'd go into town, he had his farm. So it's, it, and I always, to this day after he passed away, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't relate to that. Like I've always had this longing to want to go explore, want to go see what's down the, you know, take that county road to the next state, keep driving, you know, go, go see what's out there, so to speak. Even if I drive all day, I used to, on Fridays, hop in my car in California. And if we drove four hours to get to along the coast, we drove four hours, had lunch and turned around. And it was not a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. So that curiosity, and here's a woman, you know, that her whole world is just pretty much this hillside, maybe going down, she talks about the ocean, and then this house, this big, cold, you know, like you said, no heat in the winter, um, mm -hmm. drafty, it's wooden, it's kind of rickety and old, and not, there's nobody, there's no other homes nearby. I will tell you, I've never super loved the painting. Okay. And this made me like it even less. I love the book. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <Loved> <laughs> but I, it made me dislike the painting 
the painting has always scared me a little bit. Right. I think, yeah, for a lot of people it does. Yeah. And I think this painting is a total Rorschach test of, I think maybe whatever your deepest fears are or whatever your deepest worries are, or, or maybe your happiness. Like I, I could see maybe someone looks at it and thinks she's got so much space in front of her. She's so happy. I don't know. Maybe I there are, know. I, I don't, I've never liked this painting. I, it, 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 it worries me. Yeah, it is kind of, that's what I said. It, it's always been mysterious and kind of haunting to me. So no, it's not one that I would personally want hanging. I didn't I mean, I don't have it hanging in my home, but I'm just, cause it did. It always felt like this coldness, this darkness. Yeah, I guess. And it's the tones, it's the way he painted it, which is kind of unfortunate, which is why when I read the book, I honestly was happy to feel like I didn't feel like the character had such a dark world. I mean, she had her physical challenges and it was a hard, very hard life. Yeah. And it was sad, her loss of not having, you know, a family of her own or a deep romantic connection with someone or, but somehow she had this relationship, see, with this painter and it's kind of, she's kind of achieved immortality in a way with this work of art. I think ultimately, at least she's, I mean, she lives on. I mean, so many of us live and die. And for him, he got all the fame, so to speak, of being this, you know, we all know the Wyeth artwork, you know, Andrew Wyeth. But for her, you know, she welcomed him into her farmhouse. He, He basically set up his studio there for a good like 10 years and would trudge up and down and they'd have conversations. And so it probably opened her world to have these conversations with someone so creative as he was. And, you know, and then in a way he, he did, you know, even though the painting does have that mysterious kind of, kind of creepy for a lot of people when they see it vibe, but yet I guess it was his best attempt at immortalizing her in a way. But at least in this book, A Piece of the World, we're getting maybe a different, it, it enriched her. Right, right. It's her, It's a little bit, and of course it's fiction. Who knows? Right, who knows, right. But I like to think that the real Christina was a lot like the one in this book because she's complicated. Right, she's complicated. She's a real person with real feelings. And, and so, yeah, maybe through writing this too, hopefully is giving new light to maybe a person that otherwise would just be like an anonymous soul on the canvas. In other words, I think she gives a lot of hope for those that may struggle with, you know, different things, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, just being shy. In fact, I think there was a beautiful quote. She said, someone, uh, Christina Baker Klein, the author put, you're not shy. You just like who you like. And I thought how beautiful that is because I know I tend to be introverted and sometimes people give that a negative connotation, but it's more that I'd like to think I'm more choosy. I like who I like. And, you know, well, I know a lot of people, um, I know her book orphan train was a massive hit. I've heard so many people talk about how great it is. I've never read it. Have you? No, I actually haven't. And this is the, actually the first book I'd picked up by Christina Baker Klein. But after reading this one, I did read, um, the way life should be. That's the other one. And it was about a woman that kind of just made a life change, left the city and just said, Hey, I'm going to go make a new life for myself. 
up on the main coast. And it takes place in more present day and it's completely fiction. But again, just incorporating the life of being, uh, you know, the hard winners of Maine, just the, you know, removal of from a busy city environment to like a much more rural place where everyone, you know, small towns, everyone knows each other. Yeah. Everyone's kind of, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look up her other books because I, I really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed it. And it was not, was not really expecting to, mainly because of my dislike of the painting. No, but see, that's good to hear though, that, you know, that even though the painting, you're like, oh no, what's this going to be about? You picked it up and we're drawn, we're drawn into the book. And in fact, it's interesting that this is, I think, the only home that's been portrayed in an iconic American piece of artwork that is now owned and protected by an art museum. I don't think there's any other place like it. So the Olson House still stands. You can contact, it's the Farnsworth Art Museum. And they do tours out there with a docent in the summertime. Unfortunately, by October, which is often when I'm there, they stop the tours because since there's no heat in the building, it's too cold. And they don't want the docents out there with no heat, no running water, all of that. But you can definitely tour the grounds. And in the grounds... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's fascinating to actually then go to the grounds because you can see what the artist chose to kind of remove. Because you're expecting kind of like that hill, but there's some additional trees near the house and, you know, just some little additional. There's no other buildings, though. It is very bleak out there. Okay. And you don't quite see the ocean, which is, you know, you realize then how lonely it feels. You definitely get the sense, the same sense that the painting kind of pervades which kind of, for me, worked being there in October without other people. I think there was just three of us, we pulled up and parked respectfully. And there's like a, I walked down to the hill to kind of get that perspective. And and you do, but you do, you feel just completely alone. And is there anyone around? Is there anyone, there's a little woods at the way bottom of the hill down here. Is anyone going to just come out of the woods? I don't know. That sounds very haunting to me. Imagining yeah. being in that space and not having full use of your legs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as a woman, I don't, I mean, too, I think mm-hmm. we feel we automatically just genetically, biologically, we are just prone to feeling more vulnerable, more at risk. And that if we have something we can't use part of our body, I mean, so what are you reading right now? Right now, and I had to write it down because like I said, I read like a bunch of stuff all the time. <laughs> I kind of have like a little stack of things. Um, it's not a very thick book, but it's um, The Inn at Lake Divine. And it's probably more of a um, young adult possibly book. It's not very thick. It's by Eleanor Lippman. But it's again, it kind of takes place in the 1960s and it takes place where a lot of families would leave New York City and go vacation in New Hampshire at the lakes. So uh-huh. I kind of like that aspect of it because I often think when I go to Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, it reminds me of the summer camp movies. I never got to go to summer camp as a kid. So, you know, going to Lake Winnipesaukee, I kind of envision that. But again, it needs to have something either biographical or maybe location-wise to kind of draw me in so I can envision where it's taking place. 
That's so interesting that you need that you need history to draw you in. I love that that it's that you you're so you you have such a connection to past tales. Yeah, well, I think I don't know. I hate to say the words I need to I don't know. I feel like I want to make the most of my time, but if it's completely fiction, sometimes I guess there's not enough of an anchor for me to tie myself to. Maybe that's it. Whereas oh. if there's something historical where you know, I know they've done, you know, some, and some people do that really well. They'll take a location and some history of that area and they weave it together. Um, Bridges of Madison County. I mean, that's another favorite of mine. And I think it's that same thing growing up in Iowa, you know, the covered bridges, uh-huh. but he does this whole backstory of this couple and the, the letters and you, it, the way he opens the book, you almost feel like, wow, this is a real, this could really happen. This could be a real story. And it's just, I read the book well before the movie came out and loved it. April, why don't you tell our listeners um, about where they can find you and your work? Sure. My website is yourphototravelguide.com or the short version is fallphototrips.com. And then uh, my podcast, which I haven't kept up on, where I did interview Christina Baker Klein, the author, is Eyes for the Road. Hmm. I like that. What made you decide to start a podcast? It was back in 2017, and I was working full time. And I kind of had pulled away from doing so much volunteer work with my photography club and art group. So I decided by doing a a podcast with something as an introvert that I could do (laughs) and talking to, I love talking to people and I would allow me to talk to photographers that I was fascinated with and their, just their thought process and how they approached photography. So I interviewed a lot of photographers and also this love of travel. So like on Christina's episode, I talked to, I think I was able to record the piece. I actually talked to someone from the Farnsworth Art Museum. I talked to a couple other people in Maine to kind of create that whole, you know, episode as such. Well, this this has been so fun. And um, I want to thank you for introducing me to this book. It was really a great read. I know I'm going to pass it on to others. And I hope you will come back anytime you have a book you want to tell me about. Okay, Julie, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. I have to go book my tickets to Maine now. Yes, you do. (laughs) I would love to hear what you think about this book and about this painting in particular. Tell me all about it over on Instagram at Best Book Ever Podcast. Remember, you can find links to all the books we discussed in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. And if you have a book you want to tell me about, click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a solid and leave a review on whatever podcatcher you are using. It's an easy and free way for you to help other people find my work. And I am so grateful. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.